Okay, so last week we talked a little bit about horizontal gene transfer, which is just a really cool way that bacteria are able to share genetic information. Now, the novice explorer's understanding usually stops right there, but if you adjust your spectacles and look a little bit closer with me through the worn pages on the book of HGT, you will find that there is so much more there than you would initially think. In fact, understanding how HGT works actually opens up a whole bunch of incredible conversations about bacterial machinery. We're going to talk all about this today on Short Stories of Bacteria. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I, as always, am your host, Dr. K. If this is your first time here, welcome aboard. Do not forget to hit that follow button to get all of the most recent content, and be sure to follow us on the Instagrams at science with Dr. Underscore K. Um, but other than that, let us move on to the story for today. Um, today, actually, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be spending a little bit of extra time diving deep into this mechanism of horizontal gene transfer, which we talked about last week. It's going to be a pretty deep dive. Um, we'll be going through some pretty intense concepts in biology and biochemistry and microbiology, but fear not, as your guide in this magical journey, I will explain everything, and if I've done my job right at the end, you should be able to understand it and then explain how this works um, by the end of the podcast. Okay, so strap yourselves in. This is going to be a bit of a bumpy ride, but I hope you can find it worth it. Because um, it really, the really cool thing about this is it opens up our understanding to a bunch of really, really cool things that bacteria do and then how they do it. So let us begin. Now, last week, uh, we talked about this concept of horizontal gene transfer or HGT. Um, depending on what your background in biology is, you may know this already, but you can think of HGT as a way that organisms pick up and integrate genetic material like DNA or something like that into their own genomes. It's called horizontal gene transfer or horizontal gene transfer because the genetic material is coming horizontally, right? Whenever a parent, for example, gives its offspring genes, right? That's called vertical gene transfer or it can be thought of as vertical gene transfer. But horizontal gene transfer is when the genetic material is coming from someone other than the parents. It's moving horizontally, not up and down, but from side to side. Okay. Now, when we typically see images or hear stuff about HGT, it's usually in the form um, of a picture of two bacteria that are linked together by some kind of like thin tube or something like that, right? That's the most famous kind of HGT. Um, it's also the one that we're going to be talking about today, but it's all—it's worth mentioning that this isn't the only kind of HGT, right? So I mentioned HGT is basically any integration of a non-parental DNA, and it turns out that organisms have a lot of different ways of integrating non-parental DNA. One of the simplest ways is called transformation. Bacteria do this a ton. Um, it's just when an organism, for lack of a better description, just happens upon a piece of DNA and then swallows it and then integrates it into its own DNA. Um, and like I said, it's not very common in eukaryotes such as we, but there are some bacteria such as E. coli that are really, really good at doing something like this. Okay, Another version of HGT, so that's called transformation. Another version of HGT is called transduction. That's when some foreign entity like a virus injects DNA into a bacteria. But the version of HGT that is most talked about, the most famous, and the one that we're going to be chit-chatting about today is called bacterial conjugation. Bacterial conjugation. And bacterial conjugation is when one bacteria 
gives genes to another bacteria through physical cell-to-cell contact. Okay? Now, uh, physical cell-to-cell contact, what does this look like? Um, you've seen the picture, or in theory you've seen the picture, but what does this look like? Honestly, it's it, conceptually it's not all that bad, so let's just picture it in our minds. What happens is you'll have two bacteria, and they'll just kind of like, you know, sidle up next to each other. And then one bacteria called the donor bacteria will produce a tube-like structure called uh, the pilus. And the pilus is kind of like a, it's kind of like a hollow arm, right? So it reaches over and then it grabs the other bacteria and then pulls the two bacteria close together, okay? Once the bacterial cell walls are interacting with each other, then the donor cell will break off a copy of part of its own DNA and then just give it to the other cell called the recipient cell. This recipient cell then can use that DNA like it was its own DNA, right? And then after this, the two bacteria snap apart and then go along their merry way. But now the recipient cell has more genes than it did because it just took a piece of DNA from uh, from the donor cell, and now it can use that to grow and evolve and all these different things, right? Now, wait a minute, Dr. K, you say, is this just random DNA that the donor cell is giving to the recipient cell? Is there any benefit to this stuff, or is it just kind of like a random thing, right? Uh, It turns out that while sometimes bacteria can give each other genes that can be, um, that can be like not helpful at all or even bad, like they're called so-called poisonous genes or pathogenic genes, right? Um, The donor that the DNA, um, sorry, the DNA that the donor cell gives to the recipient cell actually tends to be beneficial. Um, Bacteria can give each other, give each other other genes that allow them to survive in a bunch of different extreme environments. Um, They can also give them genes that allow them to tolerate most antibiotics. In fact, uh, one reason why antibiotic resistance is such a big concern right now is due to the fact that bacteria have this really good ability of passing genes to each other. We'll talk about antibiotic resistance on another podcast. Don't worry. There's a whole bunch that that we can talk about there. Um, But okay, Dr. K, fine. That doesn't sound too bad. This is usually the part where you do a nice recap and then you head out and then you say something about, I don't know, ending the podcast or something like that. But anyway, you said we wanted to do something deeper today, right? Yes, I did. That's what we want to do. That's what we're going to have to go a little bit more into the biochemistry of this this mechanism because it turns out that we glossed over a lot when we say that just a tube arm comes out of the donor cell and then grabs another cell, how does this happen from a biochemical perspective? From Like if you zoom in, how does this actually happen? To understand how a pill eye works and how this whole crazy thing is put together and just how neat this thing is, we have to do a really quick detour and learn a little bit more about proteins. Now, maybe the only experience you have with proteins is like protein powder or chicken or eggs or something like that. But to cells and bacteria, proteins mean something completely different. Uh, What's a good analogy? You can think about it this way. You can think about a bacterial cell as a house or a building or a skyscraper. And you can think about proteins as basically anything functional within that building. Okay, you can think about a door, you can think about a window, you can think about a printer, a wall, computer, anything at all. Right? Any of these things that do some particular function in a house, right? Each of those things are distinct from each other, right? Each of them have their own specific shapes. They have their own specific sizes and functions, right? So, an, I don't know, an elevator is different from a door, right? And a door is different from a printer, and a printer is different from a computer, right? They have their own specific um, characteristics. 
And each one of them are used to do very, very specific things. And you can think about proteins in a cell in a similar way. There's tons and tons of different tasks that have to get done in a cell. And there are almost as many proteins as there are tasks in the cell. Okay, you can think about proteins as the workhorses of cells. They tend to be very, very tiny relative to the bacterial cell, but they all do very specific things that help the cell work, right? So whenever you hear about protein now, you can think about protein not only as the stuff that you're eating when you eat a piece of turkey, but it's the millions of tiny different workhorses that are running your cells and the cells of bacteria, okay? Okay, so Dr. K, you say you are just telling me that there's a protein that does the bacterial conjugation. Well, no, it's not that simple. So remember when I said proteins tend to be really, really small compared to the overall size of the cell. And the pillus is actually really, really good sized. So it's not just as simple as we need this done, let's make a protein for it. Okay, let's actually return to our analogy of the skyscraper or the building or whatever it is. Let's say that you have to get from the bottom floor to the, flop, to, well, to the top floor and you take an elevator, right? An elevator is different from a door or a window because it's not just one thing. It's a whole bunch of different components that work together all at the same time and also stretch the length of the entire building. Okay, It's a really, really complicated, complex machine. And what's really neat about bacteria is they also have similar complex machines. Okay, So a pillus isn't just one tiny protein doing all this. It's a whole bunch of different proteins all automatically clicked together that have one special function, which is to pull the two bacterial cells close together. Okay? Instead of thinking of the pillus as just one thing, you need to think about it as this really complex, many-faceted machine that automatically comes together and can do a really, really difficult specialized task. Right? You can think about it as like, um, instead of thinking about it as just like one thing, think about it as a bunch of different Lego pieces that all automatically come together to make this really big structure that then does this really specific task. But here's the thing. It gets even more crazy than this. It gets even more crazy than this. See, if you, let's go back one more time to this analogy of the elevator, right? If you just took all the pieces of an elevator and then threw it into a building, right, that doesn't magically produce an elevator, Right? Similarly, if you just throw all the protein Lego pieces into the cell that make up a pillus, if you throw them all into the cell, it doesn't just become a pillus, right? There has to be a coordinated, mechanistic, um, intentional way that the elevator and the pillus are put together so they can do their jobs, okay? And whereas the intentionality and the coordination and the mechanistic aspect of putting an elevator together is the humans that actually, you know, install the elevator— the, the clockwork uh, coordination, the mechanistic um, component that makes a pillus happens naturally and automatically within the bacterial cell itself. In fact, it happens through the mechanisms of another complex protein machine. Okay, so now we're thinking about a, a different complicated Lego structure, right? These different Lego structures you can think of, um, they have these bacteria have a bunch of these different um, protein machines called secretion systems. And these secretion systems, so-called, are involved with a bunch of different abilities that bacteria have. And one of the most important abilities that these secretion system protein machines have is their ability to coordinate and time function. Okay, so they can sense and figure out what's going on with the bacteria 
and then decide when to do certain functions. Okay. So let's give this example. Let's put it all together. If a secretion system of a donor cell senses that another cell is present, that proton, I'm sorry, protein, that protein robot machine, right, can flip a switch and then start making another pro- protein robot machine, the pillus, which then does the actual connection with the recipient cell. Okay, so again, I'm going to say this one more time. Bacterial conjugation is more than just like a thing reaching out and grabbing another thing, right? It's more like one independent clockwork automaton building another independent clockwork automaton and then collaborating with it to pass DNA to another bacteria, right? And that's and what's really, really absurd is that this is just one example of the complexity of a bacterial cell. There's hundreds and thousands of complex automatons all working together to do distinct and incredible functions in bacterial cells and in our cells, and that's what allows the bacteria to survive and grow and thrive, right? And this is just one of them, okay? So let's just take this from the top. I know there's a whole bunch to get through, um, but here we go. Number one, horizontal gene transfer is when organisms take in DNA of an, in a non-parental, i.e. vertical way. Number two, there are a bunch of different kinds of HGT, but the most common one we talk about is bacterial conjugation. Number three, bacterial conjugation is when one cell, the donor cell, passes a bit of DNA to a recipient cell by means of a pillus. Number four, pili aren't just a simple tube arm, but they are a group of interconnected proteins, almost like Lego pieces, that all coordinate together to perform the same task. Number five, the production of pili is generated and coordinated by another molecular machine called a secretion system. And these two molecular machines work together to do bacterial conjugation. And finally, number six, there are many such interconnected molecular machines in bacteria and eukaryotes alike. It is such a really, really cool concept. And through this concept, you can actually start to understand just how complicated the cell is not just bacterial cells, but eukaryotic cells. On another episode, we'll return to this side of uh, short stories of bacteria and maybe even look at some of the other secretion systems and how they work because, believe me, this world just keeps getting curiouser and curiouser. But until that next time, that is all I have for you today. Hope I was able to make everything clear to you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to turn, tune in next week. We might be returning to the microbiome after a brief hiatus, but... Thank you, as always, for tuning in today, and I hope to see you all next week on another episode of Short Stories Back to You.